Corteva AgroScience provides cutting-edge solutions for farmers worldwide. Learn more at Corteva.com. Today on Ag News Daily. Be patient with the staff. <laughs> Not everything goes as planned. We're all human, but have fun. Today's episode is brought to you by Corteva. At Corteva AgriScience, we believe that when we work together, we grow together. We believe innovative agriculture solutions are found in the lab and in the field, applying real insights from farmers with our global R&D knowledge to create a strong suite of innovations across seed and crop protection. We believe in constantly challenging ourselves on how to bring all of our solutions together, giving farmers the tools to address today's needs and tomorrow's challenges. We believe in what we do because we believe in what farmers do, and together we thrive. Corteva AgriScience, keep growing. Tanner and Delaney here on July 14th, 2023, Friday edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast, Red Rock and Roll. I'm ready, Tanner. Have you been outside yet today? I have. It's quite muggy. I think muggy is going to be the general theme for a lot of the area, unless they are in the desert southwest. Hot weather is going to continue to persist. Oklahoma, Texas, Arizona, that direction could could see 115 degrees. The excessive heat warnings are continued to be issued for much of the south. However, we've still got uh, good rains up here in the northern region, further north into eastern Iowa, Illinois. Thunderstorms are possible this evening, but they could bring potential for hail. Death Valley could set the Earth's hottest ever temperature, and more than 111 million Americans are now ordered to stay indoors due to extreme heat and weather. Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California, are all under extreme heat warnings. It is imperative that you make sure you limit your exposure to the hot weather if you are going to be in those areas. But if you switch your mindset to the ocean, we have subtropical storm Dom forming in the North Atlantic, packing top sustained winds of over 50 miles per hour. This is just as hurricane season began, so we'll continue to watch Dom and see what direction it goes. But DTN is reporting now that Lake Mead, the largest reservoir in the U.S. over by the Hoover Dam, is looking to gain back its water level thanks to the heavy snowpack. So we go from extra snow during the winter, Delaney, to hot weather right now during the summer. The measurement taken in April showed snow water from the Rocky Mountains at 160% of normal. That snow melt moisture raised the level of Lake Powell upstream and is now making its way down to Lake Mead and could could be allowed for a large flush of water to get through there. In the last 72 hours, they're seeing a surge as the water continues to move downstream the Colorado River, but we'll continue to watch. Lake Mead is now 22 feet higher than it was a year ago. Yes, and in some other weather-related news, Tanner, the latest U.S. drought monitor is showing a little bit of reprieve from drought as we saw quite a bit of rainfall over the Corn Belt the last couple of weeks, and it's taken some bites out of the drought monitor. However, when 
a group of 450 different local weather experts were asked uh, how much rain was needed to alleviate the drought. They said it's not really a cut and dry answer. They said there's a lot of different factors that impact the U.S. drought monitor and precipitation, you know, Tanner, I would have assumed was pretty much it, but they said it's not only precipitation, it's also stream flow, reservoir levels, temperatures, evaporative demand, soil moisture, vegetation health, impact reports, and a lot of other factors. So all in all, you can't determine, I guess, if drought is going to subside or increase based on precipitation alone. Yeah, that is interesting. I can't imagine those other factors have a lot of weight in the drought classification, but uh, we certainly can learn. U.S. inflation continues to decline. The top-line consumer price index fell 3% year over year. The previous month, now the lowest since March 2021, was down 4% since May. This decrease is mainly due to dropping energy and slowing food prices. Meanwhile, prices in core index, which is energy excluded and food excluded, still remain high. That CPI score is 4.8%. Shelter costs, including rent, have been the primary contributor to the growth. On the bright side, though, real wages have started to grow. The real average hourly earnings increased two-tenths of a percent last month, up up 1.2 over last year. However, they remain 3.2% lower than December of 2020, contributing to public dissatisfaction with the economy. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that. Harvard University economist Jason Furman looks at seven different underlying inflation indexes over the three, six, and 12-month period, then adjusts them for personal consumption expenditures. The median of all those measures dropped 2.8%. So some good news there. We might be seeing a little bit of reprieve, Delaney, on inflation. However, we get consumers lowering their purchase of groceries, not by quality, but just by amounts. The consumers are no longer simply looking for cheap foods, according to ConAgra. They're looking to stretch their grocery budget by buying less food. The parent company of Bird's Eye, Duncan Hines, Hunts, and Orville Redenbacher's Slim Jim, as well as others, reported a fourth quarter profit that topped expectations, stating here that they expected lower quality goods to take higher volumes of sales. Instead, they just see people buying less quantity, still sticking with quality. Well, Tanner, I think we're going to continue to see that be the trend as interest rates are likely going to increase once again later this month. The Fed fund futures went ahead and priced in another 25 basis point raise and said that the odds of that happening are about 95% likely. It has only priced in 28% odds, however, of an additional rate hike beyond later this month. So that may sound like uh, we're going to see inflation hopefully start to be under control per what the Fed funds are expecting to see there. But as far as farmers' balance sheets go, Tanner, a latest report from the Kansas City Federal Reserve Bank said that because of increasing lender notes, a lot of farmers are turning away from using their lines of credit and instead relying on savings accounts or tightening their belts a little bit more instead of seeking bank loans to cover their additional expenses they might be having. The Kansas City Federal Reserve Bank said the outlook for the U.S. farm economy has moderated in recent months as risks of more limited profit opportunities have grown alongside softening in commodity markets and elevated production. 
the median interest rate on non-real estate loans was twice as high as it was in early 2023, with the average interest rate coming in around 8.5%, Tanner. Yeah, I think we've seen a lot of that in my own portfolio and the community around the fact that there is more cash on hand. You used to have farmers that would sit on cash in their checking account and have money borrowed on their operating when it was cheap. But now we try to keep these checking account balances as low as possible to minimize the operating borrowing. As we look towards Texas, an explosion in Brazoria County shook houses outside of Galveston Island. The explosion occurred at 1.35 p.m. yesterday, and fire appeared to be coming directly out of an industrial facility tied to a pipeline. A ruptured Texas pipeline explodes and shakes these houses. The fire was, uh, according to Houston TV, the fire was near an intersection. However, there's been no personal damages uh, reported. The explosion did not occur at any facility. This was a outside valve for two pipelines that transported propylene and ethylene. The pipelines were isolated by 340 that afternoon, according to the company. After being isolated, the fire would burn itself out for the remaining fuel that is in the line. First responders on scene are continuing to monitor the air quality downwind of that fire. The cause of the explosion, Delaney, is yet to be determined, and there were no reported injuries, like I stated earlier. Well, Tanner, big news for Performance Livestock Analytics. Steph- After we saw a partnership a few years ago with Zoetis, the company has recently announced a new business partnership with financial investment firm Builders VC. The company said this was a strategic decision for performance livestock analytics to separate from Zoetis in a result of PLA's growth and increasing market demand for its cutting-edge digital solutions. The separation, they said, will provide performance livestocks with increased agility and autonomy to respond to market dynamics and customer needs faster. So big news there for the Zoetis team. And I think, unfortunately, Tanner, quite a few folks were not saved during that layoff as well, as I'm hearing a lot of folks uh, were laid off during this new transition from Zoetis. Interesting. Uh, Last news I've got is just headlines coming out of Russia and Ukraine. Putin is now saying that the Wagner Group simply does not exist after describing the Kremlin event in late June to other commanders. Russian governors in the regions near Ukraine are reporting fresh cross-border drone attacks by Ukrainian forces. While Ukraine says that Russian drone strike in the city of Kiev or in Kriari is the ones that caused the retaliation. The U.S. military confirmed that American cluster munitions have arrived in Ukraine. Putin says that Moscow may quit the Black Sea Greendale if their demands are not met, according to the international payment mechanisms that are being discussed and what you reported on earlier. The U.N. brokered agreement is set to expire Monday, which is a problem because we're running out of days in the week, Delaney. Tanner, well, one final piece of news here as we talk carbon pipeline updates. A federal judge has ruled against a Shelby County ordinance here in the state of Iowa that some of the regulations they were trying to enforce were not enforceable. Shelby County, for those of our listeners not familiar with Iowa geography, is located in the western central portion of the United States, uh, right along one county over, I should say, from the Nebraska-Iowa border. 
And apparently Shelby County, Iowa, tried to adopt an ordinance that would severely restrict the placement of the proposed carbon carbon pipeline. And according to a federal judge ruling this week, they stated that this Shelby County ordinance conflicts with state and federal regulations and therefore should not be enforced. The judge granted Summit Carbon Solutions request for a temporary injunction that prevents the ordinance enforcement. And according to a chairperson from the Shelby County Board of Supervisors that approved the ordinance, he said they're very disappointed. They have a duty as a supervisor to protect their county, but they can't. And how are they supposed to do that when other levels of government don't support local counties? I'm sure this is just one of many battles that will be ahead of the Summit Carbon Pipeline Solutions folks, Tanner, but was definitely a win for them. Yes. And we'll see if our farmer listeners are getting a win in today's markets. Well, Tanner, it looks like it's a little bit of a mixed bag for our producers here at the midday as we head into the final stint of trading on this Friday afternoon, September 4 and up 12 and a half cents at 5.06. New crop corn up 12 on the board at 5.12 and a half. Really exciting here. First time in quite a while we've been able to break above $5 and sustain that rally. And I'm likely guessing we're going to close above $5 here for this Friday afternoon. In the soybean pits, the August contract down three and a half cents at 14.81 and a quarter. November down Excuse eh, November's flirting with neutral right now, right at the 1370 mark. In the hard red winter wheat contract, big moves today to the upside as the September contract up 21 cents at 827. In the livestock pits here today, the August live cattle contract is up $3.20 at a buck 80.10. August feeder cattle up $1.60 at 246.60. And December lean hogs up 20 cents today at 76.25 and a half. Tanner, for today's interview, we're doing a joint lineup here. Two interns at the Adair County Fair and Extension Office talking about their summer internships and county fair season that's coming up for many. At Corteva AgriScience, we believe that when we work together, we grow together. We believe innovative agriculture solutions are found in the lab and in the field, applying real insights from farmers with our global R&D knowledge to create a strong suite of innovations across seed and crop protection. We believe in constantly challenging ourselves on how to bring all of our solutions together, giving farmers the tools to address today's needs and tomorrow's challenges. We believe in what we do because we believe in what farmers do, and together we thrive. Corteva AgriScience, keep growing. It being county fair season around the state of Iowa and probably the Midwest, we thought it would be a great idea to feature some county fair workers. So today we have with us Kenzie Miller, who actually just graduated recently from high school as she's been interning at her local extension office. So Kenzie, tell me about what your experience has been like so far this summer. Um, it's definitely been different. I'm used to being the one that the focus is on, not working to be focused on the focused. Absolutely, and I'm sure that is a super new experience for yourself. So what all have you been doing at your internship so far? Before the county fair, we were doing workshops and other things for the youth. Um, Lately, we have been doing everything around county fair between shows and static events. 
So they've been definitely keeping you busy. And I'm sure this has also kind of brought back some memories for yourself as since you just graduated from high school, you were a recent completion of your 4-H and FFA career. So tell us a little bit about your 4-H and FFA career and what you did throughout those to help get you where you are today. I started 4-H when I was nine and went all the way through until I was a freshman and I started FFA. Um, It's definitely different now looking at who is coming in the building through FFA while I'm working. So I bet. And I'm sure that you have a lot of friends too that are still participating. And what is it like to kind of be on this interesting spectrum of your friends with them, but you have to still work with them and make sure that everyone is following the rules uh, for the county fair? Um, we haven't ran into any, into any problems yet. I've just been trying to be helpful. There's still some questions that my friends need answered, so I'm glad I can help them with that. I'm sure, and I'm positive that this experience has been something that you have learned a lot from, whether it be that you want to continue working in the extension territory as you move forward with your career, or that you want to go into a different route. And so how does that kind of look and shape up for yourself? Well, I've definitely seen like everything that goes on behind the scenes for the fair. Um, It's made me realize that it's more than what you would think, but I've enjoyed it so far, so I'm happy to be here. Awesome, and just one last question to kind of wrap it up. What is some advice that you would give for any fairgoers, um, whether that be student members or people coming to the fair to look and see what members have been doing so far? Um, Be patient with the staff. (laughs) Not everything goes as planned. We're all human, but have fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kenzie, and have a great rest of your fair. Thank you. Switching over to the Extension Office's second intern for the summer, also a recent graduate of high school with Kenzie, we have Lily Day with us. And Lily is not only an intern this summer, but she's also exhibiting for her probably final county fair. And I just want to really hear about what that's like kind of exhibiting for your final county fair, but balancing it as being an intern as well. Yeah, so um, on Thursday and Saturday, I show my horse, and that's kind of an all day event. So I was kind of absent for my work part of it, but I tried to check in here and there, see what's going on, and I had a lot of fun at the horse show, but now I'm switching over today on Friday to switch back to doing my work, but yeah, it's been exciting. Good, I'm glad to hear that it's been exciting. I'm sure it's been a little stressful too. What has your internship looked like so far throughout this summer, as well as right now during the county fair? Yeah, so like Kinsey said, we've done a lot of with the youth. We did a few day camps, um, we did a few cooking camps with them, an art camp, and we've had a lot of fun with those. Um, the youth really enjoy it. Awesome. I'm really glad to hear that. I remember when I was a kid and I had 4-H leaders like yourself doing that, and those were the best part of summer. So I do not doubt one bit that the youth enjoyed it. And I'm sure there's still some kids that are roaming around this fair that were at those camps that you recognize now, right? Oh, yeah. They always say, hi, Lily. Hi, Kinsey. I bet that has to be so much fun. Maybe a little awkward at times if you're trying to work and corral some animals up, but I'm sure that those relationships that you created with those kids, they will remember for a long time. But hopping back over to kind of the extension side of things at the county fair, what has it looked like with your internship here, and what have you been doing with helping the exhibitors or the staff as well? 
also today we have the sheep show. So after this, we're gonna go help set out trophies, kind of get the show bill all set up, and that's what it's been like for most of the shows. We help try to just make things go smoothly. And then just to kind of wrap things up, I asked Kinsey the same question, but what is a good piece of advice that you would love to give to fairgoers, exhibitors, and anyone in between? I think the biggest part of it is be respectful to the exhibitors and what they've brought. I know it's really tempting to go in and touch some of the animals in the barn, but those are some of their most prized possessions. So just keep your hands off, but be 100% excited for them and have fun though. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure you've both learned a lot and it's been a great time talking to you and good luck with the rest of fair. Well, there you go, listeners. Thanks for hanging out with us for another week. We'll be back again Monday for some great conversations. Delaney, but for today, what do you say? Should let the listeners go. Let's let them go. Let's let them go.